0: I learned that I can get to the point of why me, but I never heard my son of 5,800 and so many days ever complain one time.
1: Welcome to The Art of Fatherhood, a podcast that takes you on the journey of fatherhood. Now here's your host, Art Eddy. This week's episode of the Art of Fatherhood podcast is being brought to you by Begin Health. Begin Health's Growing Up Prebiotics is a daily prebiotic for toddlers and kids ages 1 and up. You may be asking yourself, what's the difference between probiotics and prebiotics? Probiotics are the bacteria in your gut, and prebiotics feed the good gut bacteria. Why is this important, you may ask? Over 70% of the immune system is located in our gut, and strengthening the gut starts with feeding it the good stuff. Growing Up Prebiotics is a tasteless and... Textureless powder that can easily be mixed into your little one's water, juice, or milk, delivering three grams of fiber per serving. So if you're looking to support your kiddo's immune system, make sure you pick up growing up prebiotics at beginhealth.com. That's beginhealth.com. What's going on, everybody? already here for another edition of the Art of Fatherhood podcast. I'm very excited and appreciative of this gentleman talking to me about fatherhood football and the journey that him and his family have gone on. He was very brave to talk about his story. It's none other than Paul Fraze. Thanks for taking the time to chat with me, sir. How you doing? Excellent
0: to be here. Thank you very much.
1: For people who don't know your story, we're going to get into it. You played in the NFL. You have a loving family. There is some tragedy, though, that we're going to be talking about, the loss of your son. And Again, I appreciate you being on this podcast because not only am I trying to have positive stories and, and dads come on and just talk about the good things about fatherhood, but I appreciate guys like you coming onto my show, being brave, sharing some painful things that have gone in your life. But again, I really appreciate you taking the time because I know other dads can relate to your story and feel for you and also feel connected to you, even though they didn't know you. But again, that's the power of family, power of fatherhood. And and like, you know, I say sometimes hey, fatherhood is the new brotherhood where we see another dad going through similar things. So again, thank you for taking the time to chat with me. Let's just before we kind of get into your book, Game Changer, where you kind of talk about your family and your family's journey and, and, story. Let's just talk about when you found out you were going to be a dad, what was going through your mind, sir?
0: I was elated. I was kind of, I, I think I was really reflecting, reflective on how I was brought up as a kid and, and how my parents treated me and how they raised us. And I was like, Oh, okay, if I can, if I can get about 90% of that, right, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be an okay dad. Right. And, uh, but it's, it's a thrill beyond anything, you know, you've ever experienced even, you know, uh um, the second down Dan Marino paled in comparison to knowing I, I was going to have uh, a, a son so we were going to have a, a boy
1: and for you know you raising two kids talk about what you and your wife are looking to do in the sense of values what were some of the core values you're looking to instill into them as they're growing up
0: well we we both uh were were from the Judeo Christian background and it's interesting. We're, we're only called to follow the Nazarene, right. And, um, the Nazarene, he, you know, uh, the stories that, uh, about his character and the character that he taught, we tried to instill in our lives, our family life and our kids. And, uh, you know, I, I think, uh, there, there's a lot of good, wonderful things to live by, you know, really, really good stuff, you know, uh, love one another, uh, you know be kind, be generous, be gentle, be meek, be humble be you know there's there's a lot of good stuff that uh, and a lot of good guidance that we receive
1: so while you're writing game changer, you're talking about your son and how strong he is and obviously how strong you uh your daughter and your wife are going through this journey for those who might not know your story, just talk a little bit about your son and and what he was diagnosed with and then also too like, just the strength that he had, especially when doctors were being like, yeah, we don't know how long he's going to live, but he beat the odds. So talk a little bit about that, sir. Uh, The day Joshua was born
0: uh, within an hour, they actually came into the recovery room and they said, your son has a devastating disability and we don't think he's going to make it through the day. Um, That, Floors, any parents whatsoever, uh, and and uh, and and I later learned that basically when we left the hospital 24 d- days later, they told us they still had not diagnosed him, and they said, uh, bring him back in a year, and if if he's alive, and we will reevaluate him. They basically were sending us home for to enjoy our last days with our son. Um, within five months, we finally figured it out uh, through a muscle and nerve biopsy. It was a disorder called myotubular myopathy, where the um, the striated muscles about thirty to forty percent do not um, mature in utero, so they're very weak. So Joshua didn't have the uh, capacity. His diaphragm was so weak he couldn't, you know, pull the air into his lungs. Uh, he he could, couldn't swallow on his own. He couldn't walk. He couldn't, you know, his his muscles and and his arms and legs were very, very weak. So um, uh, we found out that these kids, 50% of these kids do not make it to 18 months of age. Um, we we just had devastating news uh, through, there was only three articles written uh, at the time Joshua was born in 1995. He was, uh, and two were uh, written by, an, by a doctor from Manhattan uh, in uh, 1967. Um, now, Now, uh, uh, Allison, Joshua's mom, she's a New Yorker. She's got a lot of chutzpah. And I was playing in the NFL. There was only 55 kids in the world that we knew of that had this disorder. No money was going to research. There was a little bit of research going on in France. And and Allison's like, uh, let's use your platform to raise a bunch of money and and to figure this thing out. So within one year, we had the Joshua Face Foundation formed. And we are—we wanted to help families afflicted with this disease, and also fund research. We uh, raised about seven million dollars in thirteen years, twelve or thirteen years, okay. and we funded research at Harvard, uh, Boston in Boston Children's, and um, just—it's it's, now we know there's about five to eight thousand kids out there with it, uh, and we are. We're, we're, set on, you know, figuring this, this thing out and, and finding a cure. We think we have a cure. We know it has to be perfected, but we think we have a, a really, really good option for these kids. So, um, Josh, we lost Joshua 40 days shy of his 16th birthday in 2010 on Christmas Eve. That was devastating. People at that time questioned whether why you don't have to do this anymore. You can rest. Um, and uh, we said, why wouldn't we do this? We've got a, a little, a little baby girl that might want to have kids one day. It's it's an X link, so Mama gives it to her boys. Um, so we, you know, Joshua had a sister. Allison wanted to have more kids. You know, other families wanted to, you know, have more kids. So yes, that that that's a quick, you know, three minute synopsis of of, of the past uh, twenty nine years, thirty years. So.
1: First of all, thanks for you and Alison being mindful of being like, all right, we, you have this platform, right. And you raised $7 million. And I think like just the idea of saying like, and I know the doctors, and again, I wasn't there, but just, you know, saying like, yeah, you know, come back, you know, in 11 months or a year and see what happens. And it's just like, they didn't really have a good answer for you and they didn't know what was going on. So you're, you were making sure that parents if that ever happens to their kids are not going to experience that they'll, they'll be funding. There'll be more knowledge of this disease or what's going on. So I, 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 again, I applaud you for that. And also too, like, you must've learned so much, I mean, you know, being in the NFL, you gotta be strong. You gotta be durable. You gotta have tenacity, but just your son was not given that long to live. He lived up to 15 years. Talk about the, some of the things that you've learned, not just from, him, but also from your daughter, too, that you didn't really know was there until he became a dad. um
0: Gosh, I learned that I can get to the point of why me, but I never heard my son of 5,800 and so many days ever complain one time. And a, and I went to a very dark place, you know, later on in Joshua's life, you know, before he passed away. And uh, I just scratched my head. It's like, you know, how could you be so selfish? These kids, when they're born, they depend on us for survival. But it's not a selfish. It's really a selfless. You know, they teach us so much, you know, as they grow. I listened to a few of your other podcasters and, and, and they, they you know, they were sharing. Oh, I used to uh, th- think I had uh, unconditional love. Down. Well, yeah, I th- I always thought I, I was unconditional, and, <laughs> but I didn't even know the first thing about unconditional love until you know our, our kids came along and taught us. And uh, yeah, that there's there's so many things that we we learn along the way of parentum, right? Uh, <laughs> parentum. So it's just uh, it's it's amazing.
1: Again, thank you for sharing that. And, you know, let's talk about your book, Game Changer. Again, usually when I say to someone that has written a book, I'm like, oh, congratulations. Yes, congratulations in order, but obviously it's a book that you probably didn't want to write at all in the sense of like needing to write. But you, again, you are sharing your story, making sure that people know that they're not alone if they're going through something similar. Talked about being in a dark place and like feeling you're being selfish. You know, looking back 2020, hindsight is 2020, we're like, all right, yeah, maybe I was selfish there, but you can't really, as someone who is a parent and knows like they're trying to take care of their child and wanting them to recover or whatever, it's tough for you to be positive all the time. So if you went to a dark place, You almost got to allow yourself for that, because if you keep on, you know, like just like closing that off and not going into some of that grief, you're just going to bubble up at the wrong time. Right. So while you're writing this book, were there times you were like, why am I doing this? Do you have to like to stop writing this because like some of the memories were just too real?
0: In that perspective, I I, I always knew that this book was going to happen. It needed to happen because it's Joshua's story. It's not the story of Paul. It's not the story of Allison. It's the story of Joshua and the hope and the love and the inspiration that that a child can give, um, especially a a disabled child. And uh, um, I, I definitely, you know, you're talking about going to the dark place. Uh, I get frustrated that be, the, of some of the things that, that that I failed at, you know. And um, but I was I was a good father, you know. I, I was a good dad. I, I I did my best, but I failed miserably at some things. And I'm like, oh gosh, you know, if I could have done done it over again, or I, and I can use the cop out that it was the you know, there's only one perfect being ever to the you know the the, the Nazarene, right? <laughs> There's only one perfect person ever to walk the face of the planet, but um, I I rest in the fact that Joshua knew he was loved, and Joshua knew that we would lay down our lives for him.
1: So in your book, obviously, people can kind of understand and see your mindset and what you guys are going through but for someone listening to this and it doesn't have to be the exact same disease or but for a family that's maybe going through a similar situation they just found out the news or it's been a year or wherever they're at in life while they're listening to you and I talk about this what are some of the things that have helped you whether it's advice from other people or just your own life experience that you wouldn't mind passing on to those who are probably listening to this and maybe going through something similar
0: well, it's, it's interesting. I think from your spouse, it's important to be, be quiet and listen and learn. Uh, I know, you know, we, we um, Allison and I experienced uh, trauma and tragedy totally differently. And uh, the, the way she, you know, when Joshua was born and they said, hey, there's nothing we can do. Uh, and I said, H- just tell me how to keep my son alive. And, and Allison was like, Paul, well, they don't know how to keep our son alive. We've got to figure it out. Right. So that that in turn started the ball rolling. And we both as a team pushed push forward. You know, I, I the, the the event was called the Muscle Dream Team where we raised millions of dollars. And, uh, you know, I, I would bring a couple NFL buddies together and and uh, we'd have a party and raise money. And, and, and Allison would coordinate the, you know, the scientists and getting. Things done and so on and so forth. So we really learned to work together as a team. And we never, never, never. Even when do they tell you your child is uh, is uh, has a disease and your child probably will not live the day. There's always hope. If your child is still alive, there's always hope. Um, and even even after it's said and done, your, your child's life might be. You know, tragically, come to an end. You, 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 there, there is, but you know, we have a faith and a belief that we're going to see Joshua again, and we're going to spend eternity with him again. So that that gives us some solace in knowing. Um, and uh, you, you know, we we are also medically speaking, when they say, "Hey, there's nothing we can do," you put together a team and you push beyond perceived boundaries of science. And they are discovering things every day, and they're, they're right now. It's a really cool time with the genetics and and uh, you know all all side, sorts of you know protein therapies and so on and so forth. That uh, man, there's there's wonderful things that are right around the corner. You can always have hope. And you can always dream. You have to dream. People, some people, you know, would say that uh, we were too exuberant in trying to find a cure. We're going to find a cure. Well, what would you rather us say? I don't think we can ever find a cure. No, I mean, please. You know, yeah, you got to have hope, hope and say, hey, we think we can get this thing. Well,
1: so, at least you tried once, you know, maybe a month. You're good. I think you can like, do something yeah. else. Like, why would you do like? Yeah, just...
0: you, you, you don't even, you don't even, it, it's, it was shocking when people literally, when they said that they we were too positive or too, you know, we were... You know, <laughs> I didn't understand what they were saying because we were trying, trying to find a cure period. So
1: you mentioned your teammates and this is kind of like a two-part question. You know, you're still trying to, you know, support and and take care of your family. You're playing in the NFL. And when I say this, any job when you're going through something that you, your family is going through is going to be tough. And this, the weight on your shoulders is, is going to be, you know, that much more like the pressure is going to be there for you, but but NFL man, not only takes takes you out physically, but mentally and probably spiritually here and there too. What was the biggest hurdle for you balancing work and family? And you mentioned your teammates, how did they help you out?
0: I was very fortunate in the, that these are uh, my teammates were just special guys that uh, would come and help time that uh, we needed help. When Joshua was born, I was in my eighth year. Going into my eighth year and uh, I I literally I didn't have I I didn't have it anymore to do it. I just wanted to keep my son alive. And how do I how do I do that? And then focus on the family. And Allison and I had some very poignant discussions. And, you know, what? we needed insurance. We needed the benefits. So I stayed in the game and I, I, I played well when I stayed in it and, I, and I worked for the next three years in the NFL. Um, but every, every time, uh, you know, we started doing, uh, fundraisers that our big fundraisers up in Boston. I remember, uh, just a dear friend, he, he's a class guy. Uh, and I only played with him one year, uh, Ronnie Lott, you know, he was one of the best safeties of all time in the history of forever. Right. So <laughs> he was, uh, I remember calling him and I didn't, I never wanted to bother him, but this was, this was across the board. This was the kind of the guy, the things that these guys would do. Um, I called him 30 days out because we didn't have the A player. You know, we, we didn't have a Tom Brady or anything like that. Right. And I said, Ronnie, I didn't want to bother you. Is And he's out in San Francisco. And I said, man, it would be just an honor and a blessing if you can. And all of a sudden he said, yeah, Paul, we're good, man. Uh, and I call him back the next day to get his information for his flight. He had already made his flight out from San Francisco to New York. Yeah, And I'm like, "No, oh, no, let me pay for, you know, he's like, no, man, uh, this is an important cause. We're going to come out and help you. And, um, and, and so across the board, the, the guys were very generous with their time and, 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 uh, their resources. So.
1: You know, you you mentioned, you know, you played for three more years just for insurance and all that. You know, if you look at the NFL landscape, the average, you know, playing career is about three and a half years, three years. Right. You played for 11 and that just goes to show like tenacity. So I can kind of see where your son gets it from and your wife, too. But I'm just saying, like, sometimes people don't realize that when you mentioned like a Tom Brady. Um, you know, he's, he's been in there forever, and obviously that's a special case like Pate Manning. But for you to be in 11 years, man, that's legit. And being a Niners fan, I love the fact that Ronnie Lott was a guy to step up, so that's awesome. Um, a couple more questions before we finish off the Father Quick Five, and again, I really appreciate, um, you know, your time and just you're being you're your sharing your story as the author of Game Changer, and you're sharing this. What do you hope people will take away from this book? Because again, you you know you you share a lot. You talk about the different things that you you and your family experience. But are there a couple of like main themes you hope people will take away?
0: I I think uh, the, the 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 three tenants are, are hope, love, and inspiration. Right. But I also want these. I want people to understand. Joshua was twisted. His body was twisted. Um, you know, severe cerebral palsy kids have the wrist and you know, twist and the mouth agape. These kids are there. These kids are brilliant. These kids are smart. And I want, I want the community, community to understand. Go kneel down next to that wheelchair and and have a conversation. Even if if you think you're talking to yourself, you're not you're talking to an intelligent being and joshua you know he was a national honor society student i didn't even understand how to make the national honor society <laughs> i had to, i had to dumb him down yeah. and i, I Found out the office was playing from nine to nine thirty and nine thirty to ten. I made him watch The Office with me. He would slap my leg and say, "Dad, Dwight Schrute is an idiot." You know what? You know what is wrong with Michael Scott? You know, and uh, you know I I share that story all all the time because um, these kids have so much to offer. Take the time, and and you're you're going to be blessed. Um, when you take the time to uh, get to know a kid like Joshua. So uh, I, I hope that uh, it just enlightens people to the fact that these kids are human.
1: Yeah. And that is such a great point because sometimes, again, you look at, you know, someone who's going through like, oh, I feel so bad for that person or that kid. And, oh, I wonder what's going on. And I wonder what their life, but again, like they are human, they are person, they have their own identity and sometimes people gloss over that. Cause they just see like the wheel, like you said, the wheelchair. So the fact that you're sharing that story. And again, you know, just for more people to understand, I, I highly encourage people to pick up game changer, obviously on Amazon, Barnes, Noble, wherever you pick up books online. But again, like, I, I appreciate the strength that you and your family have uh, obviously your son's strength for, again, just like, yeah, come back in 11 months. And he, he, he beat that. He's like for 15 years. So again, I really appreciate the 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 work that you and your family are doing to raise and you know awareness, raise raise money, and help out future you know generations. And and you're right, like you guys are forward thinking in the sense of like you're not just thinking about your own kids. You're thinking about your kids' generation. You're like, well, if my daughter wants to have kids and she, you know she has a son, what it's going to be like and what things look out for. So I think sometimes we gloss over in just the moment and not look into the future. So what advice do you have for people in the sense of like, yeah, you know, you might be in this, in this horrible spot right now. And, you know, there might not be, you don't see the light at the end of the tunnel, but what are some of the ways you did that with your family you would share?
0: Uh, I, I, I would just say that um, every, I mean, we probably had 40 near death experiences and uh, EMTs coming to and ambulances whisking and helicopters whisking our son away. And, um, uh, you, you, you don't know, first of all, you, you don't know um, what you have um, with for resolve until you're in something like that. Right. Um, and the the fact of the matter is these kids are resilient. Their life, just oh, the, the giver of life makes our bodies so re- resilient and don't, don't let Anyone tell you uh, that has scrubs on or a, a stethoscope around their neck? Just don't let them tell you that they're they are all-knowing and they're God. Period. Uh, because God has the final answer, right? Um, but ultimately, ultimately, don't lose faith. Push scientists and doctors beyond perceived boundaries, and 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 never lose the hope. Um, I like that. That's that's really uh, how how I would describe and explain just resilience and and believing uh, in your family and and your child.
1: Where can people like learn more about your story and the foundation? What's your foundation's website? It's joshuafrays.
0: ORG and it's FRASD, joshuafraze.org. It's the most comprehensive website in the world regarding uh, myotubular myopathy. And our, our goal from day one was to help these five to 8,000 kids um, with this ultra rare disease, uh, orphan disease, orphan, meaning 200,000 or less patients worldwide. But, um, we wanted to go on to the next one and then the next one and the next one. And then, you know, there's over 7,000 of these disorders and under like 350, 329 therapies for these kids. So, um, just don't, don't stop. Oh gosh. I I almost did a Steve Perry. Don't stop. Lord i'm well, showing my age the, it's, it's
1: the new york new jersey and you got a quote like either 13, bon jovi or journey so you hit one of them so that was good man
0: <laughs> oh gosh crazy
1: good well no, but again I, I really appreciate you being on on the show and i know that you know we're going to kind of finish off with the Father quick five but i highly encourage people to pick up uh game changer especially on amazon So fatherhood, quick five favorite. It doesn't have to be a movie. Maybe it could be the office, but favorite family movie or TV show. You guys like to watch together as a family was what?
0: Uh, Well, I was going to say the office Josh left it and his younger sister, six years younger. uh, No, she's watched the episodes three times and she knows verbatim a lot, lot of episodes. So, um, but mom didn't really appreciate that that slap humor. But you know, Lord of the Rings was a great series. So nice.
1: okay, nice. all right. Just kind of curious. Out of the three, actually, you know, because there's now other movies as well. But out of the three in the trilogy, did you have? Did you, Paul, personally have a favorite?
0: I honestly, I probably fell asleep on all three. Uh, but because they're they're great movies, but they get <laughs> slow sometimes. But uh, I, I like the first one. Yeah. I probably know, I know more about the first one because the third one came out and, and my kids watched it on DVD or was it? Yeah, it was DVD by that time. Yeah. So, yeah, but uh, good
1: memories. Well, as you know, it's funny, like I do appreciate those movies. My family, I watched them too. Obviously you can tell I'm a Star Wars geek, but it's just like, I remember in one of the Kevin Smith movies, they were talking like, People are having a debate between um the Lord of the Ring movie and Star Wars, and guys like who is pro-Star Wars like that Lord of the Rings trilogy was all about them just walking. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so the
1: fact that you're like falling asleep, I totally get that. I think I went to one of them, but <clears throat> one of my friends was a big fan. He's like, Hey, you want to go to the movies with me? I'm like, I right, cool. I fell asleep during like the remastered edition that it came out. <laughs> I was right there with you. Um <clears throat> favorite, maybe it could be journey, but favorite family song or band you couldn't wait to introduce your kids to.
0: I was a old classic rock and roll. Um, you know, we we Joshua ended up loving Simple Man, Leonard Skinner, but but we listened to Rush, Little Springsteen, uh, you know, Leonard Skinner, uh, Kansas a little bit, um, of nice. uh, and you know, and you know, it was kind of that old classic rock and roll genre. And my daughter, she's 22, and you, as you know, the music has recycled, you know, and and. and uh Isabella she saw Elton John and she loved Elton John nice. and uh, yeah and she's uh she's a great uh her, her first uh, uh it, he she had taught her herself to how to uh, pluck or strum or whatever to pluck the uh guitar and i come in and i hear her playing stevie nicks one time and i'm like she says wow. yeah dad i just listened, learned to play this last night and then i'm like oh my gosh so <laughs> yeah really (laughs) cool cool stuff so
1: (laughs) very cool perfect family vacation what did you guys have one
0: um we we had one um and it was a it was an rv trip from florida all the way to maine and it ended up on a carousel uh um a ferris wheel joshua we i was getting ready to leave the next morning, Joshua had, a, 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 a bout about with two collapsed lungs gets whisked to the air, uh, to the hospital. We think this is going to be a three or four, four day stay. And, uh, we begged the doctor to let us leave the next morning. And the doctor said, you need to get through the Carolinas as fast because there's not a lot of healthcare along 95. So, um, uh, and he was, you know, tongue in cheek, I think, but, uh, we got up there, in the bouncy ride act, acted like a, a chest percussion therapy oh, wow. uh, all the way, you know, for 25 hours. And uh, and he we, he was well enough to ride a Ferris wheel the night we arrived in Owl's Head in Rockland, Maine. The the, the they call it the uh, the lobster capital of the world. But, but there's a there's a place up in Nova Scotia that would have things to say about that. But
1: <laughs> yeah. Nice. Growing up in New Hampshire, I'm very familiar with Maine, man. Nice. Love that. Um, favorite. I don't know if you, if you watch any, any, any NFL games uh, now, but is there a favorite player you like to watch maybe on the defensive side or offensive line that you like to like, not just maybe, you know, the, the, the positions that get all the notoriety, the quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, but is there someone you like to watch right now?
0: <laughs> well, I, I mean, I, I don't, I, I get uh, jazzed up to, uh, Josh Allen he, down here in Jacksonville, he's rushing in the passer. Yeah. Uh, I jazzed up and seeing uh, the Bosa boys. Uh, uh, I played uh, with their father, John Bosa, but I think they did a lot of karate and stuff and hand quickness and stuff because they're, they're, they're bad when they rush the passer. You know, you gotta, you gotta put two guys on them all, almost every time, you know? So, uh, you know, that, that, those are the positions that I really watch. And Dude. I, I wasn't that, I was, I was, you know, I, I say, uh, well, I had 11 and a half sacks in one 11-year career. You know, it's not like, you know, and, and they, they were having 11 sacks in, in, in nine games, you know, their rookie season. So anyway so Um,
1: you know like uh for the Niners Bozos does like that did did his dad do anything similar to that is that where he gets it from
0: (laughs) I don't think his dad was as athletic and strong but his dad did not have the hands Mm. that his sons have and I think his his dad was a number one the dad was a number one pick yeah just like the boys and and he played five or six years but I think – and he, he had a gym down in Miami, and I think the kid, kid the boys got raised down there, and I think he put them into martial arts pretty quickly and, and had them working on their hands, knowing that uh, they had the athlete, athletic ability to go number one, and they – gosh, they were one and two, I think, but it's,
1: it's good crazy players. Too. It's crazy, too, like especially you being a professional athlete, and you can probably see this now more than ever where – and I, I know sometimes in the past when I talk to athletes, especially NFL players – where you see a family like just have the kids stay in one sport all year round. But back in the day, like they would do all those sports. And like, especially martial arts, like to be a defender and to try and like, you know, ward off the the guard or the tackles trying to, you know, grab you and stuff like that. There's, there's something to be said for playing multiple sports, right?
0: Well, they uh, the, the, the tackles and guards, you know, those offensive linemen have really, really strong grips. And and that's the biggest – and they're allowed to hold inside the cage, right inside the yeah uh, the pads the pads. So yeah, you you if you can keep the hands off them, uh, your their hands off you, uh, just for that split second. Did you say you're from New Hampshire? Yeah, but I, I grew up in Barrington. Uh, okay, Dover, I, grew up,
1: I grew up in Hampton.
0: I, club, club Casino probably closed by the time you left.
1: But was, my, it was still still.
0: The your guy. my brother was the head major D, and I'd come home from, from college and see Cindy lopper and David Gary Puckett in the Union Gap and all those guys. So it that's was hilarious. crazy
1: to me, like especially like at the time, like semisonic, their like hit song was Closing Time. We'd be walking, yeah. through, you know, the boardwalk of the Strip, and you hear them. And you're like, why are they yeah. here? How are they here? Like, you know, some like it would be crazy. you like, all right, that's cool. <laughs>
0: Louis Lewis and the news was there when they were going up and then when they were coming down, I-
1: um,
0: <laughs> you know, so John Bosa, the, the Bosa's father, he grew up in Keene. Oh, okay, Cool. Yeah. He was a Keene. He was a New Hampshire kid. Nice. And he, I, he and I were for years and years, were one of the uh, only two or three players. Uh, I think two, three or four have come out of New Hampshire recently, but anyway.
1: Maybe I got to get him <laughs> on the show to represent more New Hampshire, right? <laughs> There you go. Awesome. And lastly, top three words you hope your kids would use to describe you as a dad, what would you want them to be?
0: Um you know, I I was thinking, you know, the uh, another again, I was listening to a couple to a couple of your podcasts, and the love and the respect and the honor is is, is key, but I I was I was thinking um he listens, um he's non-judgmental and he was a good mentor. And uh, and I think if you as parents, if we hit two or three of those, we're gonna we're gonna receive the love, all the love that we need as parents, but we need, you know, we we need to guide and and protect and 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 give good uh um good advice. And uh that's all we can do and, and set set them free, right? So
1: spot on. Love those three words. And again, not I mean man, you I think one of the reasons why you probably stayed 11 years in the league is because you do your homework, right? Like, you you know, you, you, you and your wife are like, okay, let's just start a foundation. Let's, let's get as much knowledge and research we possibly can. And then on a so smaller, smaller level, I appreciate you checking out the show. And you're also like, all right, he's going to ask this at the end. So I'll be prepared. Love the fact that you're prepared. And again, I think that's a great lesson that we can, we can teach our kids just to be prepared, hope for the best, but plan for the worst and all that. But again, People make sure you follow Paul on Twitter or X at Paul phrase 91. In addition, pick up game changer on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, wherever you pick up books and check out his, you know, his, his foundation, learn more about it, just become more aware. And so you can kind of people do like the giving Tuesday after black Friday, but anytime is, you know, a good time to give to, you know, charities and all that. But again, thank you so much for being uh, courageous and, you know, talking about this to me and my audience. I wish you and your family continued success. But again, it was such an honor to chat with you. Got to give a shout out to our mutual friend, Stephen Costello, for setting this up. So glad he did, because again, it was such an honor to have you on, sir.
0: Thank you so much. It's It, it was my privilege and honor. And uh, you guys do wonderful things. Keep up the great work. And, and thank you. Thank you.
1: I want to say thank you to Begin Health for sponsoring this week's edition of the Art of Fatherhood podcast. Really appreciate the work that they're doing with their Growing Up Prebiotics. It's a daily prebiotic for toddlers and kids ages 1 and up. If you want to look to support your kiddos, immune system, and digestive health, make sure you go to beginhealth.com. And while you're on the internet, make sure you go to artoffatherhood.net. Check out the podcast. Check out the weekly columns like Dad's Doing It Right, Collector of the Week. There's articles on pop culture. My family and I sometimes write stories and articles together. All great stories centering around family and fatherhood. And also, please rate, subscribe, and review wherever you get your podcast. It helps get the word out. I really appreciate your support. Thanks for listening to the Art of Fatherhood podcast. Leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts and go to theartoffatherhood.net.